Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi, and a very warm welcome from me, your host, Phil Park, to Essential Skills of NLP, podcast number 70. Today, I'd like to talk about something that I keep on seeming to run into in courses that I've been training over the last few weeks, which is one of the key NLP presuppositions. You may remember the presuppositions are the kind of ideas that form the bedrock of NLP. They're things that are not true, but we consider if they were true, what would happen then? I've talked about this one a lot in the past. It's the map is not the territory. But I'd like to talk about it a little bit more because as often is the case when you teach things, you start to see things in a slightly different way. And what I've seen with this particular presupposition, this idea is how important it is, how universal it is. So first of all, what is it? The map is not the territory is a statement that says the way that we think things are the model that we have of how the world is, is not necessarily completely accurate. The simplest version of this is if we have an A to Z or an atlas, you know, a physical paper copy, that when we get to that place that's shown on the atlas or the A to Z, it doesn't look exactly as the picture was. We may not see the line of latitude and longitude that was displayed on the map. We may find the road is much wider than was drawn on the map. That's pretty obvious. The really important thing is to recognize that what we've got in our heads, in our minds, is a version of reality that we've started to believe is absolutely true and accurate. And this is where so many of our problems lie. Both you and I, but humans generally. We have a version of the world that we've spent some time developing and understanding so that we have a reference point to make sense of things. The trouble is, as soon as we start to buy into this map of reality, this version of reality, we only start to see things that fit in it. So if something shows up that doesn't really make sense according to our map, what we'll tend to do is discount it to say, uh, there's something wrong with that, or that doesn't fit, or that's not true, that's not accurate. Now, that might be an accurate description of what's occurred, but it equally may be that what we've just seen just doesn't fit with our model. And what we need to do is readjust our model instead of just deleting this bit of information as being not relevant to us. The clearest example of this is bigotry. So if somebody has an issue with a particular race, let's say they don't like tall people, then Everyone that's tall, they will consider to be probably of not much value. When somebody says, yeah, but what about I don't know, Abraham Lincoln? Pretty sure he was tall. They'll say, well, he's just the exception that proves the rule. And in every case, what they're able to do is discount this new information. What we need to do is really look at our maps of the world to work out what we're thinking. But this is pretty tough because we forget that our map is a map. 
we start to really believe that the way we're perceiving the world is true and accurate. The other place we need to watch out for is where the map ends and we say there isn't anything more than this. This is all there is. This is all that exists. It may well be that there's far more territory, far more wonderful things beyond the edge of our map. But if we think that's all there is, that's where the boundary is, that's where it finishes, we won't go looking. One of the most valuable things you can do with this idea of the map, our internal version of reality, is to start to expand it, to see what's true. I don't know if you've had the experience, but I certainly have, where I've come across new ideas and thought they were absolute nonsense, couldn't make any sense, mainly because they completely conflicted with my map of reality. Later on, I found out that there was a lot to be said for them. If you've had that experience, you know what that feels like to be absolutely certain this is the way it is. And then to realize later on that there's a whole bunch of information, opportunities out there that you never even knew existed because they didn't show up on our map. Take a moment to think, who do you know who has a map that is not possibly as well developed as it should be? Who has a much more simplistic view of the world and one that doesn't particularly work for them. Probably we can recognize that in other people. Can we recognize that in ourselves? Can we take the time almost to float above our map and think, okay, well, what does this give me? How does this work for me? What are the results of seeing the world in this way? And I tell you what, anywhere that you are stuck, anywhere that you're in conflict, anywhere things are different, difficult, there will be some interruption of your map. There will be some need or benefit from enriching that to understand it. In some of the other exercises we've done, we've done what's called second positioning, which is where you take somebody else's point of view. This is creating a new map. It's saying, okay, what if I saw myself from over here? So what I'd like you to do is just imagine this map of your world. Picture it in any way, shape or form. It will probably look pretty complete because we think that our map is accurate. Then what I'd like you to do is just float up above it and look down at the map and see what happens at the edges. See any areas that you think, oh, they're a bit dull or not very well lit. Imagine it's larger. Imagine it's more flexible. Imagine it has more softness to it so it can accommodate and flex and integrate. Also start to look at where does it overlap with other people's maps? Where does it interfere? Where is it conflict with other people's maps? Where is it you need to focus? Because the bigger and more enriched your model of the world is, the more you'll be able to see new things, the more you'll be able to interact with other people most successfully, the more you'll be able to explore the world with a sense of comfort and ease. What is it you've learned about maps? Maps are really, really important. So say working with training people and clients recently, the one thing that's been outstanding is that when people get stuck, it's their map that needs to change. 
But the first thing they've got to do is recognize it is just a map. It's just a model and it's okay to change it. But of course, we have a map about that as well, don't we? We have a kind of sense of, is it okay to change these things? Is it, is it real to change these things? One of the questions people will often ask is, what's right? Is this map right? Is that map right? Is that wrong? Is this correct? Again, that's kind of a map of what are the right questions to ask. There's a better question to ask, a more useful model, which is to ask, what works for me best? What's the most useful way of seeing this? Is it most useful to believe that I can't change this? Is it most useful to believe there isn't anything beyond what I know? Or is it more useful to think, well, hey, what would happen if I did? What would happen if I could let go and start to be free to explore? If we go back to the whole analogy of a map, when people started drawing maps, it was because they didn't know the territory. They were exploring, they were going out and they were trying to record it and report it back to other people. But the whole purpose of being an adventurer is to go into the territory that nobody's been to before or to come back with a better description of it. So we really should use maps, not as truth, but as a work in progress, as a guide to help us to show us where we need to go further to explore in more depth. So start to look at your map. So say the key things that will tell you you need to look at your map in a slightly different way is where life doesn't work. You will have some version of who you are, how things are. And once you realize it's just a model and approximation that you're working from, you'll realize you can change that too. If you like these podcast series, then I think you'd really love finding out more about how we can work together. Best things you can do, get hold of the other podcasts on iTunes or get some of my extraordinary books, which as I say, if you like these podcasts, they're very, very similar, life-changing, fascinating ways of looking at the world. And the ultimate thing you could do, hey, come and train with me. I'd love to meet you in person. Let us know. Drop us an email, phil at philparker.org or go to the website, philparker.org. Sign up for the newsletters. There you'll get instant access to some of my latest audio downloads. And those downloads contain the latest research, techniques and tools to change your life and improve your health. So just register to get those right now. And I look forward to hanging out with you in person in the very near future. You take care now. Essential NLP. Skills for a great life.